you know, if you want to sell your services, if you are a service provider, you cannot just rely on how great you are and that other people like you and just talk about yourself and which awards you won and how many people you are and how many days you are in business. No one cares about that. Clients just care about results. So you lead with a problem and then the solution, which is the result they want. You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm Steve Gordon. For the first five years, this podcast was known as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. The episode you're about to hear uses that name, but don't worry, you're in the right place. Same great content, new name. Enjoy. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and this is going to be a great interview today for anyone who is running a business and you're running it and you're thinking, I should be working a whole lot less. And uh, I'm the one that's here far beyond everybody else. Uh, The employees leave before I do. I get in before they do. And I'm working my tail off and not making enough money. And uh, we're going to show you how to solve that today. My, My guest today is Manuel Pissner, and he is the CEO of FlashHub.io and Bright Solutions. Uh, he is a TEDx speaker, a podcaster, and he's been working with remote workforces since 2012 and really is taking all of his experience using that to help transform local businesses into organizations with the highest level of transparency and freedom and purpose and self-determination and when he shares with you the story of how he sort of discovered how to create this business that manages itself, you're gonna. I think you're gonna sit back and and just sort of be in awe of it. I know I have been. I've I've heard the story now three or four times, and and what he's been able to accomplish. And and when he tells you, you're, just, you're, you're gonna be blown away. So uh, we're gonna dive into all of that, and we're gonna talk about how to transform your business so that it manages itself and uh, and really serves you. And uh, he's taught these things all over the world, including at Stanford University as a guest lecturer. Manuel, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm also very excited. Thanks for having me here and for your invitation. Yeah, so I um, I have the advantage of we're you know, we're in a mastermind group together, and you actually presented to our group last week uh, some of the things that you're going to share. Um, I've watched your TED talk, uh, so I, I kind of know the story. But share with everyone. A little bit about your background and and what caused you to kind of go down this road of trying to create a, a virtual business that manages itself. Yeah, so let me start where it all started. With an age of twelve, I became a programmer, wanted to do yeah awesome software, and then I studied computer science because uh, during that time I was heavily involved in sports. I was in the uh, karate national championship. Um, yeah, and also world championships, travel the world with that, had a lot of energy. And then I stopped that. So I decided now I need to find a way somewhere else to spread my energy. And I founded my business, became a freelancer in 2006, decided to go into a corporate job for four days. And I understood that's not for me. It was a total mess, right? It was just politics and people were stressed, no organizational structure. They didn't have, even have a computer for me on the first day. I didn't get any expectation set just got blamed when I missed the deadline. So I decided this is crap. I don't want that. And then I decided I want to build a business, a real business, and I want to do it better than all the others, especially the agencies and software development businesses and marketing agencies. So I hired my first people, right? I was the boss. And then this business has grown to 43 employees. And I've built it basically exactly in the same way as all the business around me, because that was my like 
template. I didn't have anything else, just like I could copy that. Then I hired second level uh, management people. And in the end, I was the biggest bottleneck for everything. And they and me experienced tremendous amount of stress. So I was working 50 to 80 hours per week, more 80 hours than 50 hours. And everything depended on me. You can imagine if you have like 50 to 80 clients and then 43 employees involved in meetings, questions all day. I wanted to create a business that gives me wealth and freedom, right? I got the opposite, the total opposite. I, I, I'd never want to go back these days. It was so stressful. And then on the 6th of June, 2018, you want to watch my TEDx talk if you want to see how that drama went. A project crashed with full speed against the wall because we had constant staff shortages. It was always either we didn't have enough clients and revenue was too low. I had a huge like pressure with 250,000 euro fixed costs per month. And on the other side, when I won a new big client, my team got stressed, overworked. We didn't have the right capacity, nor the right skills. So I had to hire fast. And that was often a trade-off. So I got a lot of people that I just need to hire fast. And that caused a lot of problems. So in the end, on the 6th of June, 2018, we had to migrate 8,000 web pages. And I failed terribly with local other partner agencies, nearshoring, offshoring, and after an offshoring provider canceled their contract with me one day before their deadline, they promised me everything, delivered nothing. I was like, okay, now I need to close my business and my entire existence goes bankrupt. So then either I closed the business or I had to change. And luckily I got this secret thing from the Stanford University in my back, which was flash teams and flash organizations. So literally how you can build digital leadership system driven by technology and clarity in roles and workflows. And then hire and onboard freelancers, literally strangers I never worked with before, and get them the work done, but reliably and with full transparency over results and progress. And that's what I did. And they migrated 8,000 pages in four days and saved my entire business. And then I was like, wow, there's a much better way to grow my business because there are more than enough talented people out there. They want to do the work. They have specific skill sets. They want and can manage themselves. I just need to know how to create a work environment that attracts these people and leads them well based on results, not based on availability. So I fired 20 people on a single day, 10 others left. I feel totally alone, but I was with a lot of hope that now I can build a much better business. And I did today the same business like... That's around 4 million euro revenue per year. I have 158 freelancers in 67 countries. And the best part is it just takes me one hour per day to manage that because it's all built based on self-managing structures. Freelancers hire freelancers, review the work of freelancers, manage other freelancers. It's all like it's a real system. And the best part is that people love it because it's a low stress environment with high focus, good results, great collaboration. And people can really focus on what they like to do and what they can do best instead of being involved in everything. Well, and just to put kind of an exclamation point on it, one of the things you left out of that story is you had a big contractual financial penalty yeah. if you hadn't delivered yeah. that project. Um, yeah, 500,000 so, euro. <laughs> right. Um, and to, to face that and then to creatively overcome it, um, I think that's an important part of the story because people need to understand that you developed this really in a weekend. And yeah. obviously you've 
been perfecting it for a number of years, but for for a lot of people, they think, oh, well, that's something that I'll just, it'll take time to to get through and all of that. It can, it can clearly be done very quickly. Most people don't, hopefully don't have that, that sort of pressure and deadline, but, um, but it can be done fairly quickly. So how do we begin to unpack this? Where's the best place to start? Because I think for a lot of people listening, you know, you go, oh, wow, that's really cool. A company that manages itself, it only takes an hour a day. But while you solve that big problem in a weekend, you, you didn't then build the rest of the business overnight. Yeah. How do you get started? So let me first give you the components of such a business, right? And then we can see how we can build it up. So from a blueprint perspective, the main components are really first productized offers. And that doesn't mean you sell products. You should just have a very clear offer or multiple very clearly defined offers with clearly defined deliverables, clear value proposition to set expectations for your clients and deliverables created so that your team knows what they need to deliver instead of just doing what your clients asked you and it's always a deadline that was already yesterday, that's stressful, right? So in other words, you know this formula, it's shit in, shit out, right? If you don't control the input into your business, what you sell, then everything else becomes so complex and stressful. And if you grow that, you just grow your problems. So productized offers are really the key part to control the input of your business and streamline everything. Once you have that, then the other part is sales automation. You build a lead generation funnel and a scripted sales process that you can delegate. That's how you get consistent people, leads in that want to become your clients, close them and delegate closing to sales reps. That's important because I also hired sales reps for 120,000 euro per year. What they just did is like blah, blah, blah all day, didn't close a single deal. That was a totally desperate situation. It was based on hope. So And, you know, if you want to sell your services, if you are a service provider, you cannot just rely on how great you are and that other people like you and just talk about yourself and which awards you won and how many people you are and how many days you are in business. No one cares about that. Clients just care about results. So you lead with a problem and then the solution, which is the result they want. And your productized offers are the solution to the problems your clients have. So that's on the sales side. And then in your business, per offer, you build a quality standard. So basically, you have the deliverables that are part of your offer, and then you build like a virtual assembly line, which is your workflow that has also quality assurance steps built in so that quality is not created just by hope and accident, but systematically. Because look around, if you buy a car, if you buy medicine, if you want something that is proven to work, it's always built based on a quality standard. Quality doesn't happen overnight by accident. It needs to be based on a quality standard. Now, if you don't know the result, you cannot create a quality standard. That's why productized offers are key. So you build your quality standard, and then you need to find people that execute this quality standard. In other words, instead of hiring people, you first define the roles. You define roles with a narrow set of skills that you want to hire. For example, one deliverable could be conversion copy if you build a funnel. Right, And you need a copywriter to write that. Of course, the copywriter needs proper input, persona definition, and the offer you want to sell so that they can write proper copy that converts. Now, when you have this defined, your roles, then it becomes a lot easier because all of a sudden you can hire experts really fast and onboard them and give them full clarity about what they should do, what's their input, and what's the result they should deliver. Instead of hiring a campaign manager that should be able to do project management, customer communication, creative work, copywriting, and image editing. And that on all platforms, 
Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Google, and TikTok. No way to find that. But if you do everything always individually, you need these people, right? And typically, only the business owner can do all of these things. That's why the business owner typically ends up being the bottleneck for everything and the most important employee in the business. So once you have these roles defined, the next thing is to create an onboarding. And when your quality standard is clear and your roles are clear, it's easy to create a video telling them why we need you to create this productized offer deliverable, and then what you should do, all the deliverables assigned to your role, and how you should do it, follow this process, right? And then you can onboard strangers all in their specific roles automatically without any manual work involved, get them fully productive into like less than a week. And even if they never worked with each other, the system makes sure that their individual contribution builds the result, which is your productized offer, which is what your client wants. So that's how it works. That's how you build a decentralized business with experts, not all-rounders, and provide absolute clarity for everyone and transparency instead of managing results with a lot of stress, high workload, business owner-centric, much more relaxed this way. So you you said uh, a couple of important things that I want to dive into. The first is productized services, mm-hmm. and that's a big buzzword these days. A lot of people are talking about it. Um, for a lot of, of people in a service business that's based you know, on knowledge work, it's based on their expertise, the pushback is, but every client situation is different. Hmm. So how do, you, how do you respond to somebody who says that? Is it, oh, sorry, you're out of luck, you can't do this? Or is there a way of thinking about this differently? Yeah, you, and that's that's the good thing about a sales funnel. You attract those people that have a specific problem that you can solve, right? And then you get only these people in and you educate them during your funnel by, for example, having a lead magnet, which is a video, value video, video sales letter, however you want to call it. So you educate them already there, how they can get a solution to that problem. And only when they like this, they request your service. And when they request your service through the funnel, you know exactly what's their problem. They like the solution, so it's easy to sell to them and the expectations are clear, right? If you don't have that and you just like do this, yeah, you sell commodity on a broad thing like marketing agency, then someone goes to like Google search for marketing agency, they could want anything from you. Right now, the mindset problem is that most business owners think they just like cannot get enough clients when they really niche down on one specific problem. But you can, when you are specific, you win a lot more clients because it's very related to them and more interesting. And when you really feel that your funnel is now saturated, you create another funnel, no problem with that. Target another audience, sell the same thing with the same problem. But this is how you scale the business. It's not broad horizontally, but really niche down vertically and productized offers are key for that. And I think um, you know one, one of the key things that I've observed. And I think this is a new phenomenon. You know, the world has become commoditized because of the internet. You know, you're in Germany, I'm in the US. Uh, It would be very easy for someone in Germany to work with us and for someone in the US to work with you because of the internet. So competition is very different than it was, you know, even when I started my career in the mid nineties. Okay. You know, I'm a little bit older than you. When I started my career, we didn't have the internet for a year. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
the company I started with. It was a very local world. You had to hire people who were local to you, which naturally limited the number of competitors. You know, there were, you know, in, in that business, I don't know, we had maybe 20 or 30 competitors in our local area. Now that business would be competing with thousands, right? That do the same thing. And so it used to be that being the generalist allowed you to adapt and solve problems for the limited number of clients who you could reach in the local area. And that was the strength, but that's all shifted. Now the advantage is being being hyper-focused. And that's a real, that's a change in mindset, I think, for a lot of of service businesses to to move from being that, hey, I can solve whatever problem you bring to me. And mm-hmm. that used to be the the killer skill to have. Now it's how how narrow and focused can I be and how well can I solve that specific problem? If I can solve that better than anybody in the world, now you're really desirable. And so that's really what you're saying is you've got to make that mindset shift. Yeah. So, and it's getting even yeah. like more complicated because look at it like this. Um, when I started my business, it was in 2006. It was enough to say, we do software development and then say, we have a team of five people and they are ready to do the work for you. And then you want a client and also these software developers, they wanted to work in such a business because they were happy to have a job like this, right? Now that's not, that. these times are totally gone. Now you cannot just build a business based on, I have people that can do work for you. People don't want to be solved anymore. There is a higher demand for freedom than it ever was, I think. So your business needs to fulfill like two purposes. Be attractive for clients to solve their problem and be attractive for talent to provide them with an awesome work environment where they can focus on their skills. Because look at it like this. If you like want to work with really top experts, why do why should they work with you? That's really the question you need to ask yourself because they can work with anyone. So now what do they want? They want focus. They want to get paid well. They want to have exciting tasks. And of course, happy clients that appreciate their work. And mostly in most service-based businesses, the work environment is the total opposite. It's like frustrated and stressed people, <laughs> overworked, a <laughs> lot of escalations, unhappy clients, Who wants to work there? So you need to look at your business differently. It's not enough to just attract clients and hire people, put them together and say, okay, do the work somehow. You need to build like a platform that provides proper leadership for your clients and for your team to collaborate properly together so that your clients get the results and talent can be proud of them. Yeah, that's absolutely business. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like inside that productized offer, you're also narrowing the scope of every activity. And so instead of having a a handful of employees who are all generalists and they can all do a little bit of everything, you've narrowed down the scope of each individual step in the process so narrow that someone can easily pick it up and complete it and the result is really highly defined. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And still it's individual because for every deliverable, you the deliverable is predefined by the previous step, by the output from the previous step. For example, if you have a copywriter, the copywriter cannot write all the copy in the copy package if the persona definition is not done. And it starts with thinking in output, not in activities. If you are always thinking the copywriter needs to write copy, no. The copywriter needs to create the copy package and the copy package contains five Facebook ads 
10 Google Ad headlines and three Google Ad descriptions, and then maybe a video sales letter script and an opt-in page copy with two headline uh, with one headline and one subheadline. Right then it's clearly defined. Now, how they write the copy, they know best, but what the result should be and how it should look like the structure, that should be clear. And then you can use it as input for other people, for example, someone who needs to set up the landing page. When the copy package is ready and the designer created a design, then it's easy to set up the website, right? And if your page types are always the same because you build websites with a specific purpose, namely to sell online, then you know exactly which page types you need. And you know exactly which copy elements you need and what they need to do. And then you have a customized, highly individual sales funnel that can be like produced with an assembly line like process. So that I think that's one of the places that someone might push back. So if we use that example of, of copy, web copy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There you could define all of those elements in the structure. Mm-hmm. And there within that, there's sort of you know, world-class level quality of copy. And then there's an infinite number of degrees of quality below that. So how do you, how do you control for the, the kind of level of skill that is used to create that copy? Because obviously there's varying ways to do that. It's, it's a creative knowledge product and it seems like it doesn't fit with this sort of assembly line approach. Yeah. It does. So in the end, you know, the copy needs to be good for the person that should read it. It's not like if I hire you to create copy for me, if I like it or not, might be my personal ego that says this is important. But in the end, your click-through rate tells you if your ad is good, right? And your conversion rate on the opt-in page tells you if your headline is good. So that's why you separate the result monitoring Not based or you don't measure results based on opinions, but based on KPIs. And there are two KPIs. It's work KPIs. So how fast are the deliverables created, right? That's you see in the assembly line, typically this KPI is called velocity. So you look at how fast your team can deliver predefined deliverables. Now you have copy, but the copy should do one specific thing. Ad copy should attract the right clients, right? Your opt-in page copy should convert a visitor into a lead. Your video sales uh, letter copy should convert a visitor into a sales qualified lead, a person that requests your service. So this copy does not just need to like be nice. Someone needs to like it. No, it needs to work. And if it works, you can measure that with specific KPIs. When we talk about a funnel, of course, right? When you build user interfaces, UX design, you measure that by asking the user, a net promoter score question, for example, or measuring how long it takes them to complete a process they should complete through the UI, right? That's what matters. And then you measure this. This is the result KPI. Now, if the result KPI is below threshold, for example, your your click-through rate is below 3%, your opt-in conversion rate is below 15%, then you need to come up with an action item to improve this KPI. That means you adjust the opt-in page copy and you do an A-B test because it's not if I like the copy more than the other one, it's looking at the number if the previous number is, or the, the actual, the new number, conversion rate is better than the old one. And then you improved it, you really improved it. It's not just better because someone else likes your copy better. And that's how you like measure work based on 
implementation progress and on effectiveness of what you've built. Result so, KPIs. Yeah, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up because this is where most people I think are going to trip up in this whole process because if they're doing the work now and and they haven't gone this route yet, they're probably producing a lot of work with no KPIs whatsoever. And maybe the work is is done, but it's not effective. You don't get the results, right? Well, I think in a lot of cases, they just don't know. It's exactly. just that the, we did the work and we got paid yeah. for it. And so we did the job. What you're really saying is, no, no, no. If you transform this and, and you begin thinking in terms of what's the measurable that helps me know that this was not only done, but exactly. done well to a level of excellence, that begins to give you the freedom. And I think for a lot of people, that's going to be a little bit scary because how do I measure it? You know, I'm yeah. just thinking in terms of like a, a lawyer who's producing a, you know, a particular brief. How do you know that that's, you know, what, what's the KPI that you look for there? Um, and I think yeah. for a lot of folks, getting to the point of thinking through those is actually the really hard part of all of this. Um, mm -hmm. So as you're working with the businesses, I know you coach people through this and work with primarily a lot of uh, marketing agencies through this. How do you help them kind of unpack the right KPIs? You know, it's pretty easy. You have the KPIs already there in marketing. What do clients want from you, really want from you when they hire a marketing agency? It's more leads or more clients, period. They don't want the new creative design. They don't want like CEO. No, they want to get more leads without paying money on ads if they ask you for SEO services. So in the end, if you offer SEO services, you want to look at, you want to have a keyword strategy first, then you create content, right? That helps you rank on these keywords. That's the work you need to do. That's the work you have to track. And then you look at the effectiveness, seeing what's your current ranking in search engines for this specific keyword. That's the one thing that gives you traffic, right? That's one KPI you measure. But then you measure if you also want to be accountable for the leads that is generated by the traffic, you want to also measure the conversion rate of your conversion content, your opt-in page or whatever you have, right? So these are two KPIs. You need to measure them and only those matter. That's how you do it. You need to know, of course, what you do and most importantly, why you do it. But for marketing, it's really not complicated. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's the key. So once you've done that, you've, you've really narrowed the scope of every step in the process. Um, and, you know, you showed in, in uh, the presentation you gave our group last week, a Trello board and the Trello board has got an awful lot of columns in it. But from the, the way I looked at that, that really gave you a viewpoint into monitoring the velocity of everything that you're doing. Yeah. And what I, I found most interesting is you've got, and I think you said this earlier um, in our conversation today, you've got freelancers who are both hiring your team and training your team mm -hmm. and doing the QA all through the process. And it requires, I would imagine, a, at some point, a level of trust or maybe just a level of clarity and transparency about what they're supposed to do. That's it. That's it. It's clarity and transparency. And you know, you get better results when it comes to discovering problems and bugs when you have people that you hire just for the purpose of discovering bugs. Quality assurance people, right? Proofreaders, however, depends on the subject. But then you just hire them to find the bugs. So they have no interest of uh, conflict of interest that now that's my best colleague. I don't want to make a bug transparent, right? Especially not when you are in a culture where 
problems are punished, right? Of course, you don't want to have this toxic environment where problems are punished. You should appreciate problems so that you can improve and make them better, not just once, but through the entire process and manifest the learnings in digital assets, improve your templates, improve your process, improve your role definition, et cetera, right? So this independent peer review increased quality big time for us. Yeah, I could imagine it did. Um, because now you've got people who are being judged on whether or not they've identified and brought the bugs to light to be fixed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you've sort of incentivized the review of quality, which yeah. in most companies, as you as you pointed out, most companies that doesn't exist. So how is it that you you were able to do all of this, put it all together, and, and you're able to run two businesses basically on an, an hour a day? What is your, what does that hour look like? For no, you? no, that's not that's not right. Not two businesses with an hour a day. Bright Solutions, okay. I manage that with one hour per day. But Flash okay. Up, I mean, yeah, that's that's four or five hours per day because I am doing a lot of like content creation, marketing, coaching people. I really love that. Right? Why, why, right? People often ask me why I do this when my other business is so successful. Like, is that scam or why is he doing that? And the answer is just because you know I know my situation back in 2018, how hard it was, how frustrated I was, how frustrated my wife was when I always promised her next year everything will be better, and it never was better. So now when I help these people, and I see their smile in the face after like three to six months, when they now got from 60 hours of work per week to 40, and they feel and see that their business can run independently from them. That's the best feeling ever. That's so satisfying, right? That's why I really, I really love that. Now, um, and how I manage these businesses to answer your question is, it's really clarity for everyone. Clarity and then experts and provide a leadership system so they can collaborate properly. That's really it. And never micromanage. I was a big micromanager, no doubt about this. People hated that. I hated it, but it was my habit. So now I just define results I want. And I offer people that they can ask me when they ask, they feel stuck or have questions, right? And that's it. And I offer them specific time slots. I work like heavily with time boxes, time boxes and priority management. And they know exactly when I'm available. It's at 10 in the morning, 30 minutes. It's at 12 at noon, 30 minutes. And it's at 4.30 in the evening or afternoon for 30 minutes. That's when I reply. And that guarantees them a response time of maximum three hours from me. But besides that, my apps are blocked. I don't go to all these channels, answer my phone. No one can ever call me on the phone because I try to avoid distractions wherever possible, right? It's the biggest enemy of like your health because it creates stress and productivity because it distracts you and your entire team if you have a culture of constant interruptions. And it is even seen as good and productive if people are running around like headless chickens, right? <laughs> Talk a little bit about client communication because you're in a, a business, you know, with the development agency where you're dealing with clients and having to communicate back and forth. Is that all handled by the freelancers? Mm, yes, clients and freelancers work directly together. Clients also get an onboarding video so they know how they engage and interact with the team. They get also templates how to write their requirements. If they don't want to do it themselves, they get a business analyst that writes the requirements for them when we talk about software development. In marketing, it's a little bit different, but yeah, just to give an example. So they work together. They have clearly defined deliverables, well-set expectations on both sides. And there is a customer success manager that helps the client in case problems appear. 
But this person is also, <clears throat> sorry, responsible to tell the client, please don't write emails. We won't reply to emails. If you have requirements or questions, put that into the backlog. That's why we have this tool. Then the team can look at what you want and deliver it faster. Then if you send it to me, I'm off for two days and the team doesn't have the information. Put it always there. And in the next team meeting, you are happy to join and you get all your questions answered, right? It's about structured and time-boxed communication instead of constant communication without any structure. That's very smart. And clients will accept that. I mean, a lot of people would think, God, they, the clients just want to get me whenever they can get me. But they'll, you can train them to, to behave that way, right? You, remember, you attract them. We attract them with the sales funnel and yeah. they cannot call us. We don't have the phone number on our page. And when they come into our sales funnel, send us an email, hey, I tried to call you five times. I didn't find your number. I, we know uh -uh. <laughs> that's not the type of client we want to work with. They see on the page, this is what we can help you with. Here is a form, fill it out. We get back to you. If they don't want this, then we are not the right ones. So we attract the right people through the sales funnel and filter those out that always just want to have a call because it's so urgent. I don't want to be in that business anymore. Yeah, I mean, for most of us, I, I joke all the time with, uh, my wife works in medicine. I joke all the time, like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not on call. You know, yeah. there are there are no book writing emergencies in the world. Yeah. I, I promise you. Yeah. Um, and uh, And there aren't really very many professions where there are those emergencies. And sometimes we we uh, we let our clients create them for us, which can really ruin your experience of life, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, there are emergencies. We also do software operations and support, right? There comes a security issue right in. We need to fix that. But we separate important work with focus, like software development, moving projects forward from urgent work. That's why we have active teams that build something up based on goals and improve it. And then we have reactive teams that take your service request, work on a ticket, that monitors security issue lists, apply a patch, right? They are there to react and we have a guaranteed response time. But too often in businesses, that's mixed. So people are expected to do projects or even worse, creative work, but they should always, always be like available for urgent things. Client calls, client wants an email response in two hours, chat here, chat there, video call there. You just drive people crazy with that work environment. That's why separating urgent and focus work, that's a gift for your team. Yeah, very much so. What have we left out? What uh, what haven't we talked about so where far? Where to start? That, yeah, where, where do they start? Yeah. yeah, where do they start? So if you build your business from scratch, right, you start with your potential client, choose those people you really enjoy working with because you don't want to get toxic people in your business, right? Decide about the type of persona you want to work with, look at their problems, build an offer, productized offer that solves their problem. Start with that, right? So this is really, if you start a business, don't care about operating procedures, hiring people. If your business doesn't have 100,000 year revenue per year, you don't need to hire a single pe person. You just need to be able to deliver your service yourself more efficiently. And once you have that and you reach 100K with this service, then you are already well set with cash on your bank and an efficient process so that other people can also deliver it. So that's the easy path. Okay. But, yeah. Well, I was going to say, so if somebody's there, then what, what's the next thing for them to begin to look at? If they have 100K, mm -hmm. yeah, then they take their productized offer and build this um, 
basically the roles around that. What you should have is your productized offer and the quality standard that you execute to test it if it works and improves, right? You don't just want to do it freestyle. You create a quality standard for yourself. And whenever you learn something, you incorporate this learning in your quality standard, right? So you create templates for persona definition. And when you fill it, create a video. Do it with a video. Just record it, speak it out loud, and write, fill this template. You can use that later to onboard people that should do the persona definition for you. Now you have this 100K, you have a quality standard, you have a set of videos, then you just look at what takes most of my time and has lowest complexity. You can put that in a matrix, right? One color in Excel sheet, one column is complexity, one column is time. You multiply it and then you get a prioritization what you should delegate first. Lowest complexity and takes most amount of time. That's what you delegate first, right? And then you define a role based on so what do you need to define? You need to define the skills. You need to define the responsibilities, availability, and response time that you want, right? And then you hire a person. And then I you build that. your team step by step. I love how you break that down and how you prioritize what to, to yeah. delegate. Um, and I, Because I think a lot of people get stuck there. Um, we could probably go on for hours and hours because there's so much to unpack here. Um, for somebody listening to this that is interested in learning more and maybe getting some help with this specifically who do you help flash up because i know you you guide business owners through this and for those business owners where can they go find out more it's just on flashup.io there you see on the on the front page you see too much work too many projects opt in here get started and then you learn more in detail about this methodology and when you feel this is right for you and it would help you and you want to learn more, you can fill this form and apply for a call with me so we can see if that is a fit and I can help you with that. But before we dive into that, we want to maybe also talk about what to do with the busy business hour that is the bottleneck for everything. What else yes. for this person? Yes, absolutely. Please. So yeah, it's, it's a quick one. First, you want to become the single boss of your own time and priorities. This is very important. How you do that is by setting up time boxes. You look at, okay, which roles do you have? Strategy, doing the work yourself, accounting, HR, sales, marketing, what else, right? Look at your day and your week. How much time do you want to dedicate to these things and put a time box in your calendar? That's a plan, okay? Reality will be different, but we start with a plan. Then you create a Trello board. And per role that you have, you have one column. One column marketing, one column sales, one column HR, administration, accounting, and so on. And whenever something comes, don't react to that. That's how you train yourself to decouple from reacting to everything. You take what's there and put it in the right column. And now when your time box is active in your calendar, you look at this column and prioritize your items and just pick the one that is top of, the, of this column. This is the most important thing. So you just take it full focus on that, switch off all communication channels, just do this one thing. And when you feel you don't have enough time for one specific role, just expand your time box in your calendar, right? And then take a tool like Calendly and never answer your phone, just send people your link so they can book a meeting when you have a free time slot. And that's how you become the single boss of your own time and priorities. This is your digital leadership system. Now, when you are involved in team meetings and questions all day long, on email, in one-on-one -on -one meetings, and so on. Make a Q&A session in that. 
have a group meeting once in the morning, once in the evening, 30 minutes. And outside of these meeting slots, no answers to questions. You need to train your team and keep them accountable on that, right? As a business owner, you always get what you tolerate. If you tolerate always being interrupted, you will always be interrupted. And your team will see that you are reliably available always in these time boxes. And when your clients book a meeting through your calendar, they see that you are always reliably available, not fast, but reliable. So this is step one to build your own digital leadership system. And then you do it for your team with a quality standard role definition, deliverables and productized offers. I love that. That right there is for most people listening to this. If if all they did was apply that, they would make such huge progress within a week or two of putting that in place. Four to 10 hours per week back in your calendar if you are working more than 50 hours per week, guaranteed. Absolutely. We should have started with that. that. That's brilliant. We could have started with that and then mic drop. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Manuel, this has been awesome. I'm so glad we had the opportunity to get together. And I appreciate you sharing your your wisdom with uh, all of our listeners and audience. Um, uh, again, the website is flashhub.io. Uh, Manuel's got a great presentation, walks you through even more of this. Um, I encourage you to go uh, and find his uh, TEDx talk. We'll link to all of this in the show notes. So you don't have to search around for it, but watch that. And uh, and for somebody listening that's thinking, okay, I'm at a point where I need to get help with this. I'm, I'm big enough where it makes sense, but it's time It's time to really get help. Who do you work with specifically? It's uh, business owners of um, service-based businesses like digital agencies and software development businesses mostly, um, but also with team leads that want to get less stress in their team, higher productivity and more focus and scale with freelancers. Very yeah. good. For digital work, of course, I cannot do it for physical work. I have no experience with that, but <laughs> everything that you can do digitally, yeah, yeah, I can help with. Very good. Well, Manuel, thanks so much. It's great to see you and uh, can't wait to uh, hear all the feedback from this. I know we're going to get some great feedback from it. Awesome. It was a great interview. Thank you very much. Awesome conversation. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bringing in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.